everybody, and welcome to the Total Soccer Show, a weekend edition of the Total Soccer Show. I am Taylor Rockwell. Joining me, I have my regular host, it's Daryl Grove. Hello, Daryl. Hello. You know, it's Friday, right? Not Saturday. Is it? I always forget yeah. in these moments. I don't know. It's. I've been thinking it was Saturday since yesterday when I went, ran into a friend of mine. And I was like, oh, yeah, I guess it's pretty slow, but it's a Friday. It'll pick up. And he's like, no, it's Thursday. So I've just thought it was one day ahead <laughs> for like 36 hours now. Maybe your weekend starts on Friday. It That's does. How you're living on I mean, we're recording yeah, yeah. this after 5 p.m. I think like the weekend officially starts at 5 p.m. There right? we that, go. That feels like a That's Jimmy Buffett correct. song that I've accidentally just stumbled into. <laughs> so let's uh, let's just move on quickly, shall we? Yeah. So I just do want to quick mention, this is weirdly a big show for me because this is the first Total Sucks I'm doing during chemotherapy. Mm-hmm. So this is kind of a testing my limits kind of thing, but I think I'm good. Uh, and, and just to clarify, you're not like sitting, like seated in the chemo chair right now, correct? No, I mean, I'm at home, but there's like a home two days of infusion thing going on. Yeah. Right. Um, I'm really glad that I had France career to watch today. Pass the time. Yeah. And, and, and was it, uh, was it like an enthusiastic thing to watch? Did you enjoy it? Did it take your mind off of, you know, nausea and all that uh, unpleasant stuff? It actually did just because of the, obviously the first game in the Women's World Cup, you know, we're underway. But seeing the, the host nation at Parc de France and then really delivering for the French fans, right? If you're a France fan, you could not have asked for much more from right. today. Um, including the dancing. I feel like yeah, it was just fun to see everything go right for the host nation. All right. I know this is going to sound like maybe a little bit absurd. Uh, I am kind of glad you weren't in studio today. Uh, the Amandine Enrigo, it got a little dusty in here. I'm not going to lie. It got a little <laughs> dusty. Because, like, I, I'm not a huge Katy Perry fan. But in the context of, like, the like the French uh, women's national team destroying their opponent in the opener in a packed stadium and then, like, roar coming on, I was like, all right, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. I, I appreciate the musical cues. That. Yes, it was. I it was. And yeah. then the whoever did the production for it like cut to the wide shot of the whole crowd like jumping up and down and all the French flags and I was like, All right, I'm in. I'm definitely I mean I was already in, but now I'm like all in on France. <laughs> I mean slightly less than America, <laughs> yeah. but France France is second. France is second for me. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of talk about that potential quarterfinal, right? Oh, yeah. And I couldn't help thinking, let's not think about avoiding it. Let's see the US play France. This had me um psyched for that game. I mean, plus, if you're going to win the World Cup, you've got to go through a team like France. Right? Exactly. You're not going to get easy draws all the way through. Last time we had to beat what, Germany in the semifinals in mm-hmm. 2015. I say, let's, let's just do it all again. Yeah, exactly. Let's just get out of the way early. Yeah, I did have that weird moment of like, oh man, it is an unfortunate draw. And then I thought like, there's no way you can, like, what do you want? Like, it's not the Gold Cup. We can't ma- match it so that we would only pass, yeah. possibly get the best team in the final. Yeah. Uh-huh. All right, so I, I, I look forward to it, but I also don't look forward to it because uh, I knew France were good. I previewed them. I was very excited to watch them. They looked very good and did not they seem sure did. too rattled by the pressure of playing at home in an opener. Uh, they seemed up for it, and that was exemplified by the fact that they scored, what, inside 10 minutes? I think the ninth minute, balls in the back of the net. Yep. You knew that some scored in the ninth minute. Shall Ooh. we talk about that goal, Taylor? We shall, because it right. was – I went back and watched that one. I think of all the goals, I watched that one the most because yeah. – not just because it was the first and after the first, like, you know, things like the kind of narrative of the game changes a little bit, the structure changes, but just because it it came from uh, South Korea, free kick, that they have the, that they had the free kick, they take it, they take it short, they kind of work it around, and it was the best possible moment of France sitting off and sitting off and then – one player goes to pressure, and as soon as that one goes, everybody else follows suit. And suddenly Korea were just swamped in a way that I think they did not expect to be in that moment. My observation with what we can't resist calling the French press, which you know is your favorite kind of coffee. It is indeed. Um, 
is that it seemed to start when Korea, and I'm going to not be calling them South Korea, I'm going to be calling them Korea or Republic of Korea, um, when they gave the ball to their fullbacks, I think is when the sort of trigger was to yeah. go. Because Cascarino starts this, right? I think the Korean left back, um, if she's in position, it's Yang. Um, Cascarino pressures her and then she plays it back. And then uh, Amandine Henri goes and sort of uh, Diani is helping her. So I think it's when it goes to the fullbacks. The yeah. pressure starts from the French wingers, forces that backwards. And then it's sort of, as long as you know that you're cutting off the path up the line and to the middle, you know that ball's going back to the centre-back. So then the next player knows where to be and yep. where to press. And suddenly you're caught in the French press. Yeah, absolutely. As we know, I have bruised something very strong. Well, see, that's what I was going to say is like the French press analogy really does work pr- pr- pretty well because if you – you've got to wait to like put like the tamper down, you know, and if you go too soon yep. – it's going to be a very weak product, uh, and like you don't want to do that. If you wait too long, then you end up maybe having to like press in your own defensive third, and it leaves like the yeah. other team stronger. So if you press at the exact yeah. right moment, you can ground that right. Exactly, exactly. Uh, but if you press at the exact right moment, then it all works out perfectly. And in this case, it ends up yeah. uh, works out perfectly in a goal. But it's just the the Amandine Henri like poke tackle and then get the ball on the other side and then dribble forward and then play the square ball. Yeah. Uh, it felt. It felt kind of very representative of the French team in that it's everybody doing like everything that they need to do and being in the right spots and making the right plays. And then Amandine Henri has like a moment of brilliance to just get that little poke tackle and then get the ball on the other side. And it all clicks from catch, there. Did you catch Diani's involvement? The number oh, yeah. 11, the center forward. She had come over. I think she ends up basically passing it to Amandine to go down the line, right? She really is equally involved in the press, if only for, for mm-hmm. one touch. And then Diani cuts to the middle, and I think if Lesomer hadn't come streaming in from the left, Diani might have had the first yep. goal of this tournament. Yes, yeah, I think you're not you're not wrong. And then uh, Cascarino also plays her part in there too, because I think the ball initially uh, goes wide to number sixteen, who uh, Jang. The, yeah, the Jang. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As Cascarino you said, starts the press. Yeah, but, yeah. Like I said, the winger starts the press on the fullback, yeah. and then it, or everybody. Everybody's triggered from there, right? And they all go all in on it, which mostly, is why it works. Mostly, I just wanted to go back to talk about Cascarino again because uh, she's real good. <laughs> but yes, yes, I, I take your point on the uh, on the goal. I would add though that Amandine Henri, the one negative, uh, I, w- I don't trust her in celebrations uh, because I'm very confident that if you go back and watched, uh, uh, Gaetan Tine uh, jumps into her arms and the next shot is Tine uh, on the ground. So I'm pretty oh, sure no. Amandine, I'm pretty sure Amandine Henri dropped her. <laughs> She dropped her. <laughs> she, oh, and no. then you can see her like pulling her up as the celebrations happened in the foreground. And it was uh, <laughs> it was pretty terrific. I enjoyed that quite a bit. One bonus thing I want to talk about in this goal is the idea of Les Omer starting on the left instead yeah. of centre forward. Mm-hmm. But how that allows her to sort of cut inside and, uh, and arrive late, basically like Han Solo at the end of Star Wars. Yep. Spoiler alert. Um, for a sort of surprise attack because I don't, I don't know who the right back was. Maybe it's Kim was tracking her. Yeah. But because Somer sprints from deep uh, Kim never catches up, and that's why she's open for that for that finish when Henri cuts it back, right? Yeah, it, it is, and then it's it's a and then it's like a double edged thing throughout the game, though. That like once uh, Les Amer comes inside, like her, like the defenders are always going to want to follow her. She's one of the the more deadly French attackers, except their yeah. left back is somehow also one of their most like d- deadly attackers because Majri then has that entire left hand side to get forward with yeah. very little opposition because everyone is paying attention to the other slightly more obvious French attackers, which leaves plenty of space and time for Majri to get like the ball out in a channel then dribble towards the end line and it and it does feel in a lot of ways like with this French team that if you're defending against them that as soon as you've put out one fire like two more have opened up on the other side and you're kind of always scrambling yeah. to deal with the problems I agree and you highlighted Majri in our previews right in yes. the World Cup Group A preview but I think another dead giveaway should be that she's wearing number 10 and playing <laughs> left back <laughs> 
Yeah, that's uh, that's, that's a pretty 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 good sign. That's a pretty good sign. Uh, <laughs> I also highlighted uh, uh, Wendy Renard, though I was breaking no ground by saying that she was fairly important in the overall uh, French team, and we saw that today yeah. with uh, some good defensive presence, some great like line splitting balls, some great balls over the top, and then obviously uh, player of the match award with two goals. The first of which was. I, well, I guess like two goals and then should have been an assist, but doesn't get it for the disallowed goal. Do you want to start there? Or do you want to yeah. start with France's second goal? Um, I just want to start with the general aerial presence of Wendy Renard. And I think I saw a tweet from Aaron West, who mm-hmm. is really living his best life right now, right? Yes, yes. Paris, <laughs> Park. He's doing great. Uh, I think he'll be on TV later tonight. I think he's doing sort of wrap-up stuff later. Um, but he pointed out that it's not just Renard's tour. It's not just that she jumps well and meets the ball. She's six for one, right? Her tallest player mm-hmm. in the tournament. Um, it's actually, he pointed out it's her decision-making when she's in the air. She knows when it's time to like power a header at goal and when it's time to think, yep. okay, I'm a little too far and a little too wide here. I'm going to like redirect this back into the box. And I think that disallowed goal is only literally by a toe or a foot, right, from Mbakmati, mm-hmm. uh, Renard's centre-back partner, is a good example of the latter where she knows it's not a shooting chance, but it, she can still redirect it to set up a teammate. So it makes her doubly dangerous. I mean, it, it also makes her sort of amazing because to be able to have that awareness, but then also like stick, have the discipline to stick to that awareness, because I think yeah. we've all had those moments when it was like, ah, the shot probably isn't on, the header probably isn't on, but I'm going to go for it anyway and see if maybe I can make it <laughs> yeah. happen. And, and to be yeah, able to sort of, me, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And then, but to be able to like, no, not you, did, did you say meaning you? I said me, 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 which is kind of like the thing when you're when you're up in the air and you've got a chance even vaguely ahead oh, of the me. goal. For me, it's really yeah. tempting to just go for it. Yeah. Oh, me, me, me. I thought you said meaning me yeah. as in you thought I was talking about you. And I was like, no, 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 my friend. I'm pretty sure it's very much the other way around. <laughs> if one of us is shooting when they shouldn't be, it's definitely me. Um, but just the ability <laughs> to like... To each other. Yeah, that'd probably be a good idea. I just, just <laughs> like the awareness to check down and think like, nope, this header isn't really on. But if I put it back across or if I redirect it here, then it gives somebody else the opportunity. That is amazing. But then so to is her ability to just uh, put in a very powerful header uh, as she did yep. uh, on two different occasions today. So, yeah, two goals for Renard, both from corners, both with her head. Mm-hmm. I sort of feel like Korea should have had a better plan for this because this wasn't unknown coming in, right? They definitely would have been aware of the danger of Renard on corners. Mm-hmm. And what I saw was just, but they basically just had number four, Huang, Mark, Renard, which is a total mismatch, mm-hmm. which we saw. Um, I think Cho, number eight, who's definitely Korea's best defensive player, uh, played for West Ham in the WSL. They had her sort of, in a weird like, zonal way, because she would go and attack the ball, right? But mm-hmm. in both cases, Renard would just like drift away from Wang and get to the ball before Cho. So they never really had a, a real plan to disrupt her. I think um, commentators, was Ali Wagner commentating, she was saying basically someone needs to give her a bump or a knock yeah. or grab her jersey or just do something, right? Like, I think you should risk being more physical with a player like Renard. And maybe you kind of risk giving away a penalty, but if you don't, then you risk just having two free headers straight at goal. So. Yeah, I mean, I mean, because you don't have to go full on like like wrapping the arms around and pulling her to the ground or trying to pull her back that way. But even just stepping into her path, her path was never really obstructed for either one of those goals. And even for oh, the yeah. and even for the disallowed goal for the assist on that one, she's still just kind of able to do everything she wants to do to be able to meet that ball yep. in the ideal moment. And yeah, she never has anybody step in front and just slow her run down because there is that little bit of like. 
if someone it's like cutting somebody off in traffic that you have to like adjust you've got to hit the brake real fast and then you've got to reevaluate and even if that's a quarter second or a half second of change for Wendy Renard it's a half second of change and maybe she's not able to meet that header as cleanly as she yeah. would like so that they never did that too easy for, right? yeah exactly i think maybe they were i think part of it was maybe they were concerned about uh giving away a penalty because it can work both ways of if you're like a smaller player defending a bigger player sometimes you're going to get all the calls because oh it's safe mm-hmm. to assume the bigger player knock the person over but it can flip around where if you're the smaller player and you're really really aggressive in your defense then maybe the referee's paying more attention to that that can be a penalty so that's part of it but yeah. i also think and this is one that like uh i i tend to watch uh these games from a oh this seems really exciting that's great i want to watch them but also from a what are they going to do if and when they play against the u.s women's national team since that's obviously our yeah. rooting interest and I would say their free kicks, not just because they scored off of them, but the free kick variety, I think, also caused a problem for, for Korea in this game. Because if you're kind of foot, putting all your effort on Wendy Renard, as they did on a number of occasions, but then suddenly it's a short corner or suddenly it's driven to the near post, it makes you think like, wait, they're yeah. going to something else. And I think you can kind of set your opponent up for like, oh, no, we're going to play short this time. Oh, no, we're going to play like towards the near post yeah. this time. And then eventually, if your guard gets reduced even just a little bit and it's already not that strong to begin with, then suddenly you can pounce an attack, and that's what I think France did on this occasion. Yeah, I think it just throws you off, right? Yeah. You don't know which angle the ball's definitely uh, coming in from. Before we hit the fourth goal, I want to talk a little second about Korea. Yeah. Um, I think in my preview, I kind of said that G, number 10, and Cho, number 8, were just head and shoulders above the rest of their teammates. Mm-hmm. And I think you really saw a lot of that today. You saw a lot of the rest of the Korean players just unable to maintain possession yep. whenever France pressed. And she just unable to, she would like dribble away from a couple of players, but then there'd be nothing on. And so she'd have to like play it backwards or eventually, eventually cough it up. And mm. yeah, you just saw the, essentially the mismatch that was this game, right? Where, where you only have like, from the quality of G and Cho, Korea have two of those and France have probably about 16 of those. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yes, yes, that is that is Maybe definitely the case. And I think there was, yeah, I, it might be that. Um, and there was a couple moments, like uh, Elliot Barr tweeted us, uh, our friend Elliot tweeted us about, I think for one set piece, maybe after the fourth goal, maybe before, I can't remember. But like France still sent all their center backs forward when the game was obviously yeah. won. And they did almost get counterattacked on. And that sequence really showed, I think, to me, the little bit of, or not the little bit, but the golfing class there. Because... Maybe Korea could have broke. Maybe they could have kind of played a bit more direct. Maybe they had a chance there, and you kind of saw it break down, not just because they didn't commit numbers into the counterattack, but also because I think te- some of their like first touches and technical ability let them down a little bit. France able to get yeah. right back into position, put that press on, win it back, and then they kind of reestablished possession. So going forward, I'm not going to be able to talk about every single goal in every single game, no. right? But I think in this, we should talk about the Amandine and Rigo. Uh, yeah. Because... If anything, because it was just a little, again, too easy. I feel like by this point, Korea had just really fallen back into mm-hmm. a very, very low block. They, and they, it was weirdly half effective, right? Because uh, after the first goal went in, there were no like one-on-one type chances that France had. It was mm-hmm. you know set pieces and all that kind of stuff. Uh, so just getting numbers between France and the goal was somewhat effective at not making this 100 now. But I think on this one, they just collapsed too far back. And it allows Amandine Henri to just charge forward and play that quick one-two with Le Sommet. And yeah. then have that bending shot with almost no pressure on her, right? So mm. 
feel like Korea essentially just collapsed too far backwards at this point. Yeah, and and it's also like another aspect of uh, you you retweeted or you put out that little clip. I think specifically to annoy Pablo Mar uh, about me saying like <laughs> Amadine can operate Amadine can operate as like the calm in the storm. But if you listen yeah. to that, if you go, I mean, it's on our Twitter timeline from today. <laughs> the very beginning is us talking about how she is lethal from long distance and how even if you think yep. you've got them kind of covered, Henri can un- unleash a shot from outside of the box that will be problematic. Yeah, here we saw. I call, them, I call them thunderbolts because I've seen her hit them hard. This is more of a bendy bolt, right? She sort of bend it, <laughs> bent it into the into the far corner. It's a bendy bolt, yeah, yeah. It's it's a uh, it's a decept- it's a deceptive lightning bolt. You think you've gotten away from it, yeah. and then suddenly you're in trouble. Uh, oh, also, quick quick shout out to the Kooligans for doing a bit of tactical analysis. I saw them retweet this goal, the Henri goal, and point to uh, Valerie Govan, uh-huh. who's the striker who came on later in the game. She pull, she makes a run in behind that pulls a lot of defenders away. Uh, from Alan Dean Henry and kind of opens Uh-oh. up that space for for her to bend it in. So they haven't just got jokes; they've got some tactical analysis. So I don't know. Better look out. I don't know. I feel about that. We we were called nerds on many occasions this past summer when we went on tour with them. I yeah. guess last summer at this point uh, for for being <laughs> all into tactics. If they're going to start doing that, uh, there's going to be some comeuppance, my friends. I was known for being all like awake and on time for our flights. I know, right? It's crazy. It's crazy that we, <laughs> that was our style. Uh, I would also say I do I do blame Korea not just for dropping off, uh, but because I tweeted this. It did sort of feel this way coming out for the second half. That uh, the the graphic that came up right after uh, the start of the second half was that uh, Korea did not have any touches in France's box in the first half. And, and and so I I then was like really, really watching that one to see like, will they get any? Will they get any? And they finally get a sort of shooting chance. I think it's when uh, Wendy Renard misses, like it's like a long ball over the top. She kind of whiffs on it. They I think yeah. they get a shot off, probably should have done better. And it felt like, as I said, I tweeted in that moment, like this feels like they've just poked the bear in France. They're like, look, we weren't going to like go at you all. We were content <laughs> to let it be 3-0, but fine. And then, yeah, seven minutes later, Henri does that. <laughs> what do you make of them? I heard on the commentary a bit of talk about um, France's potential weaknesses. I've got to say, I didn't really see it. No. I feel like maybe a little casual from being 3 0 up and then 4 0 up, but there's nothing that made me think. Oh, there's the equivalent of John Stones is going to dribble out of his own box and get caught. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, because it's it's a uh, like there were those moments where there's a couple miscues. I think so. Renard has the one. There's another one later on where it's like somebody should have done better. There's a few errant passes, but like. It's it's a weird cyclical thing of oh well you know they switch off when they're ahead well yeah they're ahead then they switch off they're not going to do that when it's close like it's 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 not a thing that they were doing at the very beginning that was kind of a problem throughout but the ability to score goals countered it was more of a once they were three 0 up like yeah they were a little bit calmer but I also think that that's not something they're going to do if they're locked in a nil nil game in the seventy fifth minute yeah. you're not going to see a player whiff on a ball because they're sort of focused on maybe I can get a hat trick. And I think if you, what I did, I, I rewatched the, the nine minutes up until Les mm-hmm. scores. If you watch that nine minutes, it's a lot of really sharp French attacking. Yeah. Like in hindsight, yeah. that first goal was always coming. Mm-hmm. And then it was a bit more slower, possession based, a little more casual. But the first 10 minutes was kind of like lightning coming out from kickoff. Yeah. I, I mean, and it's also. Uh, the opening game of the World Cup, played on home soil, you get out to yeah. an early lead, that's going to energize you. And I think it was a pretty yeah, pretty, pretty rowdy crowd. I did enjoy it when they booed the press for not uh, participating in the wave. That was terrific. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, I, was, I was really curious because I, I heard like a smattering of boos and it didn't make sense to me. And then I think it was Jeff Kasouf tweeted that basically they wouldn't uh, – 
it w- the wave would go around the stadium and meet the press area, and then it would stop, and the stadium would boo. I enjoyed that. So thanks oh, to Jeff. Yeah. Is Jeff there? I think so. I'm assuming so, if he was the uh, one tweeting about it. Um, so jealous of all the people that are there, like yeah. Colin Murray and Steph Young, and uh, yeah. I assume Meg Linehan's there, the Athletic, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh. Um, but but I said agreed. But I but I I brought that up to say that like so I do also have to wonder if maybe some of the game plan from France was a, not necessarily like thrown out the window, but a little bit discarded for like I'm going to chase that ball down even though I shouldn't, but I'm up for it because it's the opener and, and like everybody's up yeah, for yeah. this game and maybe part of the part of the sort of like relative sloppiness at the end comes down to fatigue that maybe in the second game is going to be a little bit more managed because yeah. it's no longer the opening game. So speaking of the opening game, um, I think really like going to high gear tomorrow, right? Yeah. Saturday, which actually is the weekend. Um, we, have, <laughs> we have three games to watch tomorrow. That's Jimmy Buffett's yeah. Jimmy Buffett's more like a uh, buttoned up uh, like brother sings that song. <laughs> Saturday is technically the weekend. <laughs> the weekend doesn't start till Saturday. Morning. Exactly. <laughs> uh, and it starts what nine a.m. Who we got? Germany, China. Is it first? Uh, yes, I believe it is uh, Germany, China at 9 a.m., Spain, South Africa at noon, and then Norway, Nigeria at 3 p.m., uh, not at 8, 11, and 2, as maybe some broadcasters might have indicated. <laughs> That's when TV coverage starts, yep. right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think the thing to watch for for me without getting into too much detail is I'm expecting Germany and China to be a similar sort of mismatch, mismatch excuse yep. me, to France Korea, where Germany are just a really, really strong team. Mm-hmm. And China are pretty good, but can't live with Germany. Exactly. Um Similar with Spain, South yep. Africa. I mm-hmm. feel like maybe the Gulf may be even bigger there. I'm not that familiar with this. My, my, my feeling um, is that Spain Spain have gotten some attention, some headlines, but not nearly as uh, as much as many of like the bigger teams that we've talked about or historically bigger teams. Uh, and I think I think there's a chance that coming out of Saturday we're going to see some stuff about like, ooh, Spain might be a contender. Like, I think they're really, I think South Africa are going to struggle in that one. I would expect Spain to play some like very nice, technical, precise soccer. And then we come out of this like, ooh, a three, no win or a two, no win. But it was a pretty comprehensive win. Spain might be in that conversation. I think the closest matchup in terms of wanting to see a really competitive game is going to be, is it Nigeria and Norway later in the day? The final It, it game is, yep. 3 p.m. That seems like, the, if you want to see a real like contest, I think that's the game to watch. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I am very excited. Uh, I did the previewing for Norway. The... Like the intensity of the press, I think I called them the locusts. Was that Norway, where they were like up yeah, and down? Exactly. Yes. So uh, I, I'm I am very very excited to see what Norway uh, bring to the table uh, because I know that you had you had a similar uh, enthusiasm for Nigeria. So maybe that's the first game yeah. that's going to tear He's us apart. Ashwala. Ashwala is the player to watch. Number eight. <laughs> yes. Look out. All right. Uh, yeah. So in terms of our future plans, you and I kind of talked earlier and hashed mm. out what we're going to do. Right. I think it's not going to be everyday coverage of the Women's World Cup. I mean, partly because of my chemo schedule yeah. and like availability, partly because there's just so much else going on, right? We're going to maybe do every two days a catch-up on the major talking points, at least for the group stage of the Women's World Cup. And yeah. then we'll maybe accelerate it when we get to knockouts. that sound good? Yeah, that, that works uh, very well for me. All right. What else we got coming up? US, US men versus Venezuela. U.S. men versus Venezuela Sunday afternoon. USU 20s in their knockout round game against Ecuador uh, is tomorrow at 11 or 11.30. I forget which time. Uh, I think it's 11.30 uh, Eastern. Uh, if you want to hear a preview of that game, like the like the 
bottom, like the last two thirds, I guess, of the Top Dress Soccer Show. The first third is about the USA Jamaica game and the Gold Cup roster, and then the the uh, like following two thirds. I can't. I keep wanted to say like the second two thirds, but that doesn't make any sense. Um, <laughs> that's all about the uh, both that Ecuador team and like what Travis and I think the USU twenties will do against a, a very strongly attacking Ecuador team. Yeah, spoiler alert, just you see Ecuador and think, oh, we could beat them. I, it's, it looks tougher than it looks on paper, right? Or yes. at least when you just see the flag and think, ah, oh, Ecuador, I think yep. that game's going to be tougher than that. That was the gist of our conversation, yes. Okay, so yeah, go listen to that if you want more detail. Mm. I guess, can we officially declare this the summer of soccer? Because we've got so many tournaments going yes. on. Yes, yes. The, the, maybe our podcast series is like the summer soccer series or something, and we can kind of dub it that <laughs> way and just cram all of the soccer into uh, many, many shows. And then the big, big thing coming up as well is the U.S. Women's National Team's first game at the Women's World Cup. I believe it's Thailand. Um, my understanding is it's on Tuesday, and we'll have a preview of that out on Monday. Yep. This yeah, is the you plan. can confirm. Yes. Can confirm. <laughs> All right. Then, Taylor, you introduced the show, so it's, it's on you to wrap it up, I believe. All right. Uh, Daryl Grove, thank you very much for taking the time to talk to me today. Tyler Adams, back at you, buddy. <laughs> I, I don't get that. Ah, right back at you. Now I get it. Uh, I'm quick. Sharp as uh, something that's round. All right. I went, uh, I went controversial as well. I went controversial. It, I, mean, I mean, you did, uh, but you're not the first to do so. Uh, but, but Bobby's gotten some responses on Twitter. I'll put it that way. Uh, but yeah, yes, yeah. Daryl Grove, thank you. Listeners, thank you very much. Congratulations to France. Commiserations to Korea. We will talk to you very soon.